0: Welcome back to another episode of Your Pocket Nurse, a podcast for student and graduate nurses. I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the original owners of the land that I am recording on. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Your Pocket Nurse. Um, Today, I'm joined by Kelly on Happy International Nurses Day. So I'm very excited to chat all about nursing with her. You may know her from her own podcast, Two Humorous Nurses, who she does it with, Alicia. So I'm very excited to have her here and talk about oncology nursing. So welcome.
1: Thank you, and Happy International Nurses
0: Day. (laughs) I know, it's perfect timing. Um, to talk about all the fun stuff of nursing but also the hard parts as well yeah so you are a acting nurse unit manager on a day oncology medical unit is that right I am currently yeah amazing how are you enjoying all the um management side of things
1: the management side of things is (laughs) pretty tricky I'm not gonna lie like um I i am very lucky because I have a really small team of nurses who mm. I get on with really well so managing the people side of it, it's not too bad but the paperwork and the meetings mm. and writing business cases and budgets it like it's crazy and I don't fully understand it
0: <laughs> yeah fair enough I feel like no one like especially junior nurses and obviously from just my one year experience in placement you don't really know what like the num does all day. Like I feel like they just do all these meetings and paperwork, and then it's like, what is the day to day role?
1: Yeah, and you know? I'm a bit um, unlucky because I couldn't replace my actual role, so I'm still kind of doing that as well. Oh, okay. um, as a num a num, so I'm really busy, <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah, it's been um, it's been a learning curve this year, that's for sure. And I lo- I actually really love management, but mm-hmm. I'm sort of still glad that I get the patient side of it as well. Like I'm not just trapped in the office Mm. um, at the computer.
0: And I suppose because your unit is like a day ward anyway, you just have the patients and then you sort of go home with the staff as well. Like rather than, you know, I feel like sometimes it's like, you know, the num goes and they're like, bye, and then you're like, oh, am I still stuck here? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and
1: there's like if I'm there, you know, they're there as well. So it's not, yeah, that's right. We all go home together. Um, at the end of the day and yeah well sometimes I'll let them go home before me so oh, lucky them yeah yeah doesn't happen very often I'm gonna go too so
0: <laughs> yeah so you before we get started into all the specifics of how you got into oncology I usually start with like sort of three basic questions to sort of get to know you on sort of a general nursing um, level I suppose but Um, Why did you want to become a nurse originally? And if you weren't a nurse, what do you think you do?
1: So I wasn't, I was sort of always assumed I would become a nurse. Like all my family were in healthcare. My grandfather was a surgeon and my grandmother and mother um, were nurses. And yeah, it was just kind of assumed I'd probably do nursing, but I wasn't, sold on that idea so when I finished high school I went to I I was in WA and I went to Queensland and got a job on a cattle station Mm -hmm. um as like a governess jillaroo cowgirl thing um which I ended up doing for about four years across Australia and then I was like 20 and I thought oh I gotta do something so I came home to Perth and did nursing (laughs) because I was like what else am I gonna do
0: yeah it's um, so obviously in your blood as well, you know. You just got to go there. Yeah,
1: yeah, and so I thought, oh, I'll just do my EN because I don't want to spend all that time at uni and all that money if I don't really like it. And um, yeah, so I did my EN. That was um, I started in two thousand, and um, yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I love it. But I think if I wasn't a nurse, I um, would probably end up like owning a little cafe or a country pub or something like that where I – because I love cooking. But, yeah, I mean, I can't actually imagine doing anything other than nursing
0: Mm. now, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I feel like – I haven't heard – usually everyone – obviously everyone's different, but it's interesting to hear, like, what everyone else's alternative jobs are. I feel like, yeah, having a cafe would be really fun and, you know, but I feel like it would be a lot of hands-on work and you'd work such long hours and so much you know working at home as well I feel like with teachers you know you bring all the work at home but with nursing yeah you know you sort of just leave it at work and you can you know deal with the day tomorrow
1: yes exactly yeah but I, I feel like I love coffee and I yeah. just say this in hindsight after like you know
0: 22 years of nursing I'm like surely I could just make coffee all day it be fine but- <laughs> yeah I <laughs> I know. Well, I I used to work at a cafe before nursing and yeah, I wish, you know, some days, I wish I could go back to those days. You know, it's just so much more like, just like a different sort of stress level. Like you think you're stressful, like it's a stressful environment. Obviously everyone wants their coffees and there's a line and you've got to get this out, that out. But at the end of the day, it's just coffee. You know what I mean? I think if you change your perspective, some jobs really don't have to be as stressful as we put it on ourselves. But then I feel like it's not like to undermine any specific jobs, but I feel like people could just be a bit more patient and, you know, it wouldn't be as stressful because they're not going to get angry at you that it's late or whatever. But I feel like with nursing, it's constantly stressful. But then again, maybe patients could be a bit more patient about filling up your water jugs (laughs) and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely yeah um and so what areas of nursing have you worked in and how did you decide you wanted to work in oncology um so I've done a lot of nursing in lots of different
1: areas I um started in like a medical oncology ward my first grad program as an Mm -hmm. EM, I was in a medical oncology ward and then a surgical ward which was um ortho oh sorry not ortho it was ENT ophthalmology and colorectal which I actually really Mm -hmm. loved it was a weird mix but it was so good yeah um and then I went and did a lot of country nursing in WA so um you know I worked up in Broome and and Carnarvon and in the Wheatbelt in little country towns and you get such a good mix of everything in those country locations like you sort of see everything Mm -hmm. um and then when I did my RN in 2010 I went I did another grad year and I um did ortho neurosurgical um, medical oncology ward and mm-hmm. um, theater rotation. And I absolutely love theater. Like I stayed in theater as a scrub scout nurse for five years mm-hmm. um, and really loved it. And then I moved over to Victoria and I got a job just in the local country, like a little country hospital here. And six months after I got here, there was, opportunity because they were opening this oncology day unit and um they asked if anyone was interested and I thought why not like give it a crack like I'd sort of had had been exposed to oncology a few times over my career but I'd never worked in there and I had family members who had had like long um cancer journeys and I just thought that maybe I could give back and um yeah so I I got the job there and um I've been in there coming up to like six years now. And yeah, I love it. Like i we basically created the unit, me and my manager.
0: And mm-hmm. um wow, and you our little baby. start.
1: Yeah, yeah. We started it. We I uh, you know made all the trolleys, we wrote all the policies, <laughs> we um we, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, had I mean we didn't have any say in the decoration of the place. <laughs> so <laughs> but it was it's really my baby and and mm. I'm, I like. I just love. I have so much pride in our little unit and what we do, and how ha- and the growth we've had over six years is, has been so good. And like I've you know grown so much as a nurse in this unit because it really did push me out of my comfort zone. Like I love surgical, mm-hmm. surgical nursing, and in theatre and oncology is so different, and in a day unit it's even more different. Um, but yeah, yeah I love it. and I love no shit. Goodbye shift work. Yeah.
0: Oh, jealous. <laughs> so what are your hours?
1: Um, We do 7.30 till 4 and I do Monday to Thursday.
0: Oh, so. living the life. I know. Where's it's your perfect. Friday night tonight? Yeah, it is. I'm so excited. Oh, amazing. That's really good. Does everyone work the same shift hours? There's not like two or anything?
1: No, no, we do. That's what we do. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Incredible. I think, yeah, oncology is a very difficult um area. Like I feel I've had like my own um family members that have had um cancer and I you know, I've been to like day oncology um places with my mum and it's just I know it's such a good like the nurses there really, you know, contribute to like Uplifting them, you know, it's like yeah. a really a hard time because I feel like you do see, you know, the same patients for like a long period of time. And, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's hard. I feel like I don't know if I could do it. Like, I feel just difficult. How do you, I feel like we'll get to it, but how do you like uplift people, you know? I feel like there was this one nurse that would always swear, like it would just be her <laughs> thing. Like, she was constantly swearing. And I think that's what made everyone laugh. Um, but otherwise, I just, yeah, you know, well done to you. I feel like it's, you know, hard on the heartstrings.
1: It's certainly um something that I had to, uh, not overthink when I was mm-hmm. in there. Like, um, you know, I didn't want to upset people or ask too many questions because you know, like, you know, I don't want to upset them. And and I'm a quite an emotional person anyway. I'm I'm like a can- true cancerian at heart. And like, mm-hmm. so I um. I can get quite emotionally attached and I was like being at the start, I was so careful not to do that. And, um, and I think as I've learned more and, and we've had more patients, it's, they've sort of taught me to be um, more open with them. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like now we just try and have heaps of fun in the unit, like where we all get on so well, the nurses that work in there We're really small. So there's only like three of us mm-hmm. and um, we just make their experience Positive one, so we know they're going through a shit time they know they're going through a shit time they don't need us to tell them no you know, that we feel sad for them or that we feel sorry like what they need us to tell them is you know what I cooked for dinner last night or what podcasts I've been listening to or what yeah. books we've read or Some you know break down the latest yeah like you know I mean we've got younger people and, and we talk about you know, the bachelor or, you know, RuPaul's drag race or, you know, and we just have a bit of a laugh and, and even if they come in in a bad mood or like just overwhelmed by it, well, I want them to leave having had a laugh with us and they might still leave feeling like shit, but at least for a little bit of time while we're pumping the poison through them, they feel a bit better. So I think it's really important to not project what your thoughts about how they should be feeling Onto them, which is often quite hard to do. Mm.
0: Um,
1: And, you know, like people are allowed to be positive or negative in their experiences. Um, And, you know, you shouldn't tell them how to feel, but if you can just do something silly and make them laugh.
0: Yeah. um, And I guess no two patients are the same, like regardless of what area you work in, you know, and some, you know, I guess because you get to know um, your patients through their treatments, but you'll sort of learn what they like to talk about what they don't you know what their boundaries are maybe they absolutely. do want to overshare and tell you all about their family but others you know might just want to get the treatment over and done with and go home you know so i guess you sort of will learn what the individual and that comes back to patient-centered care you know absolutely you know, what yeah. the patient you know <laughs> what's important to them yeah
1: and i mean we a with my patients like they all know about my daughter they know about my hubby um you know like they'll know what I've been up to and and it's like at Easter one of my patients um you know his wife brought in a little like Easter pack for my um daughter Amelia and mm-hmm. it was so sweet like she brought all of us chocolates but then she she bought a little gift for Amelia and so you know I said to Amelia like paint her a little painting she's got Amelia likes painting and she's got yeah. this little little canvas things like just little squares and so she just did her a little like splatter painting thing which is her thing at the moment and so I gave it to her and I didn't know but she had in like his wife had been a family daycare um, person for like years and so Mm. she loved this little thank you gift and I like had no idea and Mm. you know like it makes them feel important and part of the experience as well like I think it's You've got to see the big picture and it's okay to be vulnerable with these patients and tell them. I mean, obviously you have boundaries, like Yeah. I'm not gonna catch up with them or have coffee with them or anything like that. But yeah, we can talk about dance or whatever like it's it's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah definitely i know i think setting boundaries is good i had a patient and they worked as like a travel guide and i'm planning like a europe trip so i was like oh like you know um if you just want to write down like a few places for me that you think you know uh, i'd like to go to in europe Anyway, so they wrote me like a full itinerary and then he's going on about like, oh, the business class flights are really good. And I was like, mm, I don't earn enough for business yeah. class. But anyway, when they got discharged, um, they were like, I was like, oh, thank you so much again for like the itinerary, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, oh, you know, if you have any more questions, like, you know, do you want my number? Like, actually, you have it on file. Just contact me. And I was like, no, it's okay. Like, I will not be contacting you. <laughs> like, I feel like sometimes, yeah, like you – you know, you'll make sort of like friendships with your patients, but then they—you have to remind them. We're actually like this is not going to go beyond the hospital yeah, walls. That's right. This is just professional. We're
1: yeah. Just, you
0: know. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So always keep your boundaries and cover up your last name on your name badge. If yeah, know. I feel like <laughs> at um, uni I had my last name blasted on there for ages, and then I got to the um, mental health ward and someone added me on Facebook. So oh, that was I don't great.
1: Know. I don't have my surname on Facebook anymore because yeah. um, I'd never thought about it. And then someone added me or someone mm. said something, and I was like, oh my God, like,
0: what are you doing?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I took my surname off Facebook because I was just like, it's not,
0: even though I'm like locked down private, it is the internet after all. So, I know. Yeah. I know. I feel like I, um, yeah, you know, you just never know, and I feel like no. these days with like Instagram and Facebook, like I don't even know. I feel like you can just say someone's name and they're gonna pop up on your yeah. Instagram, That's like you know how all the friend. ads, yeah, yeah, like all the ads come up. So exactly, yeah, yeah, it's very different to probably what it was like, you know, a few years ago with social media, but it's hard. Yeah.
1: Well, I was thinking back today, like I was trying to find pictures from like the early days of my nursing career. (laughs) We did so much crazy stuff in the early 2000s. Like we would, it would never fly these days, but there was no social media. There was no mobile phones. So there was no cameras at work. It was all done. And they're just memories in my brain. I've got nothing to show for it. And I was like, it's probably a good thing, but yeah, like I would love to have looked back on on, like, some of those times
0: that I had back then. Yeah. I loved your little vid you made for, um like, International Nurses Day. It was so cute. I was like, I don't have any, like, yeah, fun videos at work because I feel like I'm too scared to get my phone out at I work, you know, yeah. <laughs> like you don't <laughs> want to I've got
1: nothing from the ward when I worked on the ward because I never had, like, I never did anything. But, yeah, in, in yeah. our little unit we sort of do little things every now and again. But I'm yeah. very conscious of not, um like, putting much on instagram or on social media just because these days you just never know
0: (laughs) yeah you just don't know what anyone can do with any information i feel like yeah Yeah, even like i was like cover up like you know for a bit i had on my facebook like where i worked and stuff because i was so proud and you know happy yeah your first job you're like i want to show everyone then i was like actually like no like let's get rid of everything and you know i feel like especially having like you know a nursing account I feel like you know I'm so much more conscious of like checking out the background of if I take a selfie like if there's anything written where my hospital name is there or anything that can sort of suggest where I work because I don't know it's you know a lot of people like are out there and looking at what you're doing and you just you know don't want it to be perceived wrong or you do something wrong and then it is you know not good for your career
1: yeah exactly yeah
0: so yeah, I'm always like a bit cautious of that. Um, and then the final sort of question for get to know you is: What is your favorite clinical experience or moment, whether it be at placement or those years ago or at work?
1: Yeah, so I was having to think about this question because obviously, like I have, I had heaps of like fun. Um times Mm. but i reckon one that stands out was when i was working in a little wheat belt community like a little tiny hospital um and we had a patient he was a farmer a local farmer and he'd um come in and we had he was so unwell and we'd send him to perth Mm. um and then he came back because he was palliative and all he wanted to do was go home to the farm and die there like he did not want to die in hospital he was like i like he was born on that farm like He's like, I was born there, I want to die there, and his family were really supportive of it, and um, and so we we put together um, you know, like transport because in the in the little town that we we're in, we didn't have any ambulance officers; they were all volunteer. Oh, really? Officers. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, if you called for an ambulance, volunteers would come. Like, mm. yeah, they they could they were trained to do like minor things. But yeah, basically I just brought them to the hospital. Oh. Um so we arranged for like transport, like to get um, you know, a hospital bed at the house and basically set it up with palliative care at home. Um, because that's all he wanted. He wanted to be able to go back to the to the farm and, and pass away. And it was such, you know, we were a really small community. Um and so it was a, it was like a big and, and his family were well supported by the whole community for the whole experience and I just thought you know in the city you see videos of like you know ambulance people giving you know patients one last ride to the ocean or something like that mm-hmm. and I just thought yeah it was an amazing experience and and whilst it might not have been something technically clinical it was something um probably in more relation to like my oncology stuff but i just it was such a moving moment and and um yeah i just think we did everything right for him and um
0: exactly and you made you know made them feel comfortable and i think just listening to what the patient wants at the end of the day and i think like i guess this sort of relates to all the um like voluntary assisted dying and things like that and Mm. like it's more of a topic that you know people are talking about and you know hopefully some change like I don't know, do you feel like are you do you feel like I don't know what do you think about it?
1: About voluntary assisted dying. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's um I mean obviously I'm very pro it. I think um the the process is so (laughs) is big, like it's Mm -hmm. long. Um it's quite tedious. Um I actually just had recently had my very first experience um With it, and yeah, I was. Um, oh, I mean, it's certainly something we as nurses we're very limited. Like, I can't bring, I can't discuss it with patients. So, if a patient was to ask me about it, I just give them a card that has oh, the phone okay. numbers on it, and then they ring. Like, I can't bring it up with the patient. You I can't, can't like any no nothing yeah no and you can't you like I can't even explain to them what it is like I literally have we have cards in our hospital that when a patient asks for asks about it we just give them the card and they ring um like I think it's like a 1-800 number and it goes directly through Mm -hmm. and then to a um VAD uh, practitioner and yeah so I I mean I'm all for it it's um it certainly can't be abused the way the current um policy is To get it, Um, and I, I think that it's something that if you're terminally ill, I mean, you have a right to choose, surely, Mm.
0: Um,
1: and a right to do it in a way that's legal and doesn't implicate your family members or anything like that. I guess so.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I feel like it's, and I don't know a lot about it, but I can assume there's very sort of a criteria as well that the um, yeah definitely. As well, not every person can just go ahead, but no. yeah, it's interesting that you um, can only give a leaflet. I feel like, I guess it makes sense, you know, you don't want to be like the. It's not sort of our job to, but then again, you know, it's our job is still to educate people, and it's just educating them on the topic, not rather than you should do this, yeah. or, you shouldn't do that, because you know yeah. that's not really our um, job. Um, but yeah, interesting. Um, so speaking more about oncology nursing, what type of patients' skills and medications would you expect to see if we walked into a ward?
1: Yeah, so the ward that I work on, um, the day unit, it's we see mostly um, bowel cancer, breast, prostate and lung. They're mm-hmm. the four most common cancers across all age groups really. Um, and we have patients from you know early 40s right through to their 90s um and in all stages of the disease process so um it's very varied um cancers doesn't discriminate or have a type so you know it's it's um can happen to anybody um and I think when it comes to skills I'm like I can bang on all day about CVADs, like central mm-hmm. venous access devices. I am obsessed with them. And I think if you have an opportunity to work in an oncology day unit or anything like that, like if you can get your skills uh, up in CVADs, like PIC lines and ports, uh, you, it's a game changer. Like <laughs> And most people just are so scared of them. Like they're like, oh, I don't want to use it. But I'd rather use a pick line or a port over an IV cannula any day.
0: I know and um, you can get blood straight away. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah. Nice and um, I think skills wise, I mean, that's other than cannulating and um, you know, patient assessment, that's in we're a nurse led unit, so patient assessment is our biggest thing. Like we, we assess the patient prior to giving any chemo and you know, our assessment um, can change Um, the the course of treatment for a patient. So we do a lot of patient assessment, a lot of um, IV cannulation and CVADs and just your basic um, observations. Mm -hmm. Um, And medications um, like pre-meds are really, we give a lot of pre-meds, so lots of antiemetics, uh, antihistamines, steroids. Uh, Surprisingly, we give a lot of drugs to, you know, stop the bowels moving and a lot of stuff to get the bowels moving Like yeah. <laughs> chemo really affects the bowels a lot yeah. um, like everything does the poor bowels i know when i do when i give like patient education when i'm talking about side effects i'm like you could have diarrhea or you could be constipated <laughs> like, a lot of the antiemetics are quite constipating but mm-hmm. the, the drugs itself are, like a diarrhea causing so it's like this vicious cycle of of not being sure what to do um and then obviously it's chemotherapy and, and immunotherapies that we give most commonly to our patients, but also we're a medical day in it too. So we give lots of um, IVIG, like immunoglobulin. We mm-hmm. give so many iron infusion, fern injects. Um We give other immunotherapies for non-oncology based things, So for like um, IBS, uh, MS, Um Oh, there's another thing that I can't think of it right now. <laughs> and yeah, we we give blood transfusions, like all those supportive therapies so like blood transfusions, platelets. Um, and we rarely, I don't think I've given an antibiotic in five years. so <laughs> <laughs> lots of IV
0: meds but not IV yeah counters. yeah, we don't give
1: like all the real basic stuff mm. that you would see, like my my drug cupboard's not very big at all I, um. We, yeah, we don't give, we give magnesium and potassium and, and things like that, but mm-hmm. we really don't give any of the usual meds that you see on a ward for for patients. Um, no, because
0: they would have mostly had all their morning meds at home and then they could for yeah. their treatment anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So just, sorry, it's a bit random question, but how is like chemo, like is that a pre-prepared drug or how does it work? I've never... Yeah. Um, obviously given it and yeah I was just thinking about it when you were talking yeah so we um
1: order all the drugs through the pharmacy at our local um regional hospital like the bigger hospital um so we order all the chemo through them and then they order it through Slade pharmacy so Slade is a um like a pharmaceutical oh my dog's barking I'm so sorry no that's okay <laughs> I <find> thought <it> <laughs> you um Slade is a pharmaceutical company that basically make up all the chemotherapies um, and immunotherapies and then they get delivered to us by courier um, every day. So we don't really store anything. We get it delivered on the day that we're going to give it to the patient. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them are really expensive. (laughs) Some of them are cheap as chips. um, The ones that have been around a really long time. Um, And we give subcut injections like chemo injections we give iv um some of our patients are on oral but they just get that from their pharmacy we don't have anything to do with the oral stuff um and some of the immunotherapies um for like the ibs patients we get them delivered in um like vials and then we make them up ourselves um so we just wear like full ppe um n95s goggles like as if you've got COVID, really and then um yeah yeah, we just use um, water for injection make them up and put them in a bag and hang them so they're not they're not considered cytotoxic but obviously Mm. they're they're not drugs you want to expose yourself to which is why we protect ourselves
0: yeah it's interesting and can you talk to us a bit more about like what cytotoxic toxic precautions are and you know obviously we're protecting ourselves and you know our patients but what sort of what is the kit involved
1: yeah so when we're giving or hanging chemotherapy we always wear a um a gown so we we use ones that can be um like rewashed they're impervious to fluids they're long cuffed um like long sleeve and cuffed and we wear um gloves that are that have like a longer cuff on them as well to protect ourselves. Um, and we wear um, eyewear protection too. Mm. Um, so when we're hanging them or anything, that's what we wear to hang and disconnect the treatment because we don't want to expose ourselves to any possible drugs. Um, and as far as cytotoxic for the patient, we have a standard seven day the patient is deemed cytotoxic for seven days post-treatment. Some mm-hmm. drugs are expelled from the body much quicker, but they basically have, it's a standard thing that it's just a seven days, which means all their bodily fluids in that time are um, cytotoxic or tainted with the with the um, chemotherapy. So most chemotherapies are expelled using the kidneys. Um, so we explain to our patients that, um that their bodily fluids are contaminated um and that they should always sit to use the toilet that's especially obviously a male thing (laughs) to tell them to sit down they should shut the toilet the lid on the toilet before they flush and if they're using a shared bathroom and don't have their own toilet at home that we suggest flushing twice
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um and basically, we just tell them that there's no um, issues with anything else. They can share cups, and they can kiss and hug. And um, if you're ha- if if patients are having sex, um, they really do need to use protection um, just to keep themselves safe from obviously all the bodily fluids. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, yeah, just say if you if you have a vomit or you you know you're incontinent or something, then just to use. Um, normal detergent to clean up, wash that clothing or or um, bedding separately in a hot wash um, and wear gloves to clean it up. Um, but really, it's, if they're in the hospital, um, from a safety point of view, we just keep a purple bucket in their room. Like purple yeah. is a sign of chemo, or like mm-hmm. cytotoxic. And we just, um, yeah, if, you, if you're if you dealing with their bodily fluids, we we encourage you to wear PPE. Um and otherwise, you, you, there's no precautions really needed. We do we suggest a single room for the toilet um, sharing side of things.
0: Um, but, yeah, it's. I think it sounds scarier than it actually is. Yeah, and I think it's all just extra precautions, you know. It's just like just to make sure that the nurses are safe, you know, because yeah, absolutely. I'm sure like we... it would probably be okay because when we do touch bodily fluids, you know, we usually wear gloves anyways, but yeah. it's just all that extra right. stuff, you know. Yeah.
1: And if patients are like, if they're elderly patients and they're like quite incontinent um, and they're going to be wetting the bed or you're going to be dealing with pants, then we, we would consider like a catheter or something like that because that reduces that risk factor as well. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah, perfect. And it's good to know because even though you might not work on necessarily oncology ward, like, you know, sometimes um, during a patient's day they, you know, might be diagnosed with cancer. And, um, yeah, like we, I've had patients before on my ward and, you know, it's not exclusively oncology and, you know, no, you exactly. do see those cytotoxic bins and um, sometimes like we, what we call like bedside, isolate them. And, you know, if they're a shared room, we, you know, pop a sign saying, you know, bed for that's your room on, like your yeah. bathroom only and you tell the other patients to use another bathroom so you know you might still come across like cytotoxic precautions even if you're not working on an oncology ward so it's good to know because I feel like oncology is such a specific area and I feel like at uni mm. you actually don't learn much about it
1: no not at all and I think people get so nervous about it or worried like I know mean, some people come to our door and they're like can I come in I'm like yeah come in like, like it's, it's so fine down here like <laughs> but um yeah I think because like you say it's such a specialized area that people get a bit nervous mm. about it
0: yeah yeah definitely like I feel like some wards you I know I used to volunteer at the Royal Children's Hospital and they're like in their um cancer oh, yeah. ward like um they do have like the double doors um for negative pressure yeah. where they're, like, straight after, like, a bone marrow transplant or something. But other than that, you know, that's when you have to be, like, extra cautious about entering any ward. But otherwise, yeah, it's just, like, normal ward, you know, nothing too different. Yeah. Um. And speaking about uni, what do you think um, uni doesn't tell us about oncology? Like, how do you – like, what do you wish you were taught about oncology nursing, like, I... in your undergrad?
1: Don't even remember <laughs> really anything much about it, to be honest. I did, um because I was an EN, I, I did my RN um, online um, mm. and I, I feel like I missed out on a lot, really, because I didn't go to uni. But um, I actually don't recall much about it at all. I know you sort of taught about it, uh, you know, it's touched on, I guess. But I think it's such a complicated... Um, you know oncology and hematology they're so complicated (laughs) and I don't really think they could teach it at a level in uni that would be even beneficial Mm. to learn like I think if you learn the basics of what cancer is like and how it attacks you know like rapidly dividing cells and and how the spread in the body follows you know a bit of a path um above and below the diaphragm and things like that but you know now that i'm in it like understanding pathology and um you know how much just an fbe can tell you about a patient mm. um, and how much oncology is basically symptom management like we, as nurses our whole job is to manage our patient's symptoms like we don't need to make the decisions of the um you know what chemo they're having or how much they're having That's so the doctor's Um, decision and they're all over it like oncologists are like you know you don't need to chase them up they're they're doing their job Mm. Um, but our job is like symptom control and patient assessment and learning when a patient says oh like I've got a bit of back pain is that a bit of back pain because you know they slept funny and they're old or is it back pain because their kidneys have an infection brewing or they um might have a bit of stuff in their spine or you know like it's, mm. oh, it's like being I don't a think they can teach it <laughs> yeah it is like and it's and it's a detective in a way that's so different from like ED presentations or you know and you get to know your patients so if your patient comes in and they're like not talking or they're just really flat you'd be like mm, are you okay like what's mm. going on why do you feel this way or what what made you say that because you know but I don't think they can teach that in uni like I think it's something that you need to learn like most of nursing is yeah learn when you're on the floor with a patient in front of you.
0: Yeah. yeah that's very fair enough. And I think um like in the scheme of things uni is actually so quick. Like three yeah. years you do yeah. eight units a year. Like I must admit some of my units were pointless. But yeah. otherwise I feel <laughs> like there's not really you know unless they want to make you know the course longer there's no real time to add in like sp- like specific subjects like you know it's not like they have a whole um unit you know, on oncology nursing or peds like i wish there was but i feel like then would be mm. uni way longer you know yeah. um because yeah i like think back to my uni and i just had like a mental health subject i had a medical subject and a surgical subject and those subjects were very broad medical surgical it's not like you're learning about specific surgeries and you know anything so yeah at the end of the day I feel like that's what the grad year is for is like to consolidate all those skills and I do feel like it would be so daunting if you've never you know you'd barely know anything about oncology and that's your first rotation or something and yeah you you will feel a bit um nervous going in because
1: i mean in my rotations in the medical oncology ward i didn't do anything with oncology patients like mm. the um experienced nurses always took the oncology patients and and we just had all the medical <laughs> all the medical <laughs> stuff like yeah um and i remember one day they wanted me to do something with a oncology patient and i was like oh i don't know i don't know what i'm doing like mm. i was so scared of it and like yeah and i guess I mean, I went into oncology here and I, you know, I'd been a nurse 15 or 16 years, like, mm-hmm. and it was so new to me. Like we, I did a course and yeah, I was like, oh my God, the cell cycle and where does the chemo work on the cell cycle? I'm like, I don't even remember the cell cycle. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think if you're going to specialize in these areas, that's when you
0: learn the in-depth stuff
1: yeah. um, and the rest you can just learn on the fly. Like
0: that's what nursing is, isn't it?
1: yeah how to do
0: it and that's why you do a postgrad you know for any specific absolutely thing. that's yeah. where you're learning about that specific area yeah um and you know heaps of hospitals these days have like transition programs so if you are interested in a specific ward you apply for it and then you know they'll most likely do like educational things and um online learning like that's what i'm doing at the moment um and yeah so just yeah i feel like don't because I feel like this was a question that I got um when I posted saying like, post your questions for Kelly. um But yeah, you won't be expected to like hang up chemo on your first day because that no. requires training, you know, you have to yeah. do competencies. And I know at my hospital, um grads don't do anything with chemo because you're not trained. And at the end of the day, like patient safety comes first.
1: Yeah. And so does your safety. Like I just yeah. I feel like we should, we push, sometimes we push nurses into doing things when they're not, they're not ready or they don't fully understand and and as nurses we just want to get the job done so we'll be like oh I'll give it a crack mm. but sometimes you can't it's not the right environment to just have a go like you really need to yeah um, you know do that and I mean I haven't done a postgrad in oncology yet but it's been on my radar and on my PDP for the last three years <laughs> <laughs> to, to I've enrolled like three times I reckon I've enrolled every year but I've just never followed through with it I did a Post um, I did yeah, post grad in leadership and management in two thousand and seventeen, and that scared me. (laughs) It was like twelve months of hell, and I was like, oh my god. So um, yeah, I think I'll definitely be doing it next year. Um, because now I I feel like this is where I want to be, and Mm. I'm willing to put the time and the money.
0: Into it, that's the thing. It's not just about finding an area you like. You know, it's also like do I have the time to sit and study? Do I have the money to pay for that postgrad? You know, it's, yeah, it's a lot of dedication. I feel like lots of people ask me like, oh, where do you want to specialize? I'm like, I'm not in any rush because like you can't just yeah. every year pick a different one to specialize in because it's like a lot of time and effort and dedication. And a postgrad
1: is like ten dollars
0: to $12,000. I know. Like,
1: <laughs> it's not something to be sneezed at. Like, yeah, yeah. And I mean if, if it's not an area that you that you love, then you could most of the time you can just get away with not doing anything extra, just doing some education sessions and mm. and some courses or whatever. But yeah, I mean if you did a postgrad in every area you dropped into for work, like you'd be your hex debt
0: would be just <laughs> extraordinary. <laughs> I know. Uh, I feel like it would like I feel like it would be really good if um postgrads were free. I'm hoping like you know, keep an eye out for um, what's it called, scholarships and things like that yeah, because there right. are some for them. And I know yeah. like sometimes I do get like those Facebook ads, they come up and they're like, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, health is giving away these many scholarships for ED. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like do I really want to go there? Like I think Maybe. you've got the wrong elder. <laughs> yeah no, Facebook.
1: A, <laughs> maybe dan will you know he's promised us all these nurses maybe he'll give us some free post-grad courses to, I know. Um, to <laughs> put it the experience back in the workforce but yeah
0: i know i feel like yeah that's a whole other thing with covid yeah. <laughs> and nursing and promises and you know they there's just I don't know, there needs to be some way to um, encourage more people to want to do nursing. I feel like there's a lot of yeah. people graduating and stuff, but I feel like there's a lot of turnover at the moment. So
1: And nursing truly is an ageing um, mm. population, really. Like there's a lot of nurses over 40 years old. And yeah. I think that a lot of them are just... You know, especially those older ones, they're just like, Why am I still doing this? Like mm. <laughs> why have I just done three years in a pandemic? I need to retire. Like it's yeah, I think we're starting to see a fallout of the older experienced generation and and there's just not the new nurses who have been well supported coming through. And I think it's such a shame. I mean, but that's a whole nother episode,
0: really. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. It's so hard, I feel like so many times on my ward, I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm one of the experienced nurses because, and that's love- that's not good because <laughs> I am not, you know, like I'm on a new ward and, you know, a yeah. lot of people are doing in charge shifts who are only grads like maybe three years ago, like yeah. you know, like they obviously. Um, good nurses but I feel like that's the skill mix is very junior still and yeah yeah it's it's hard because yeah lots of those senior nurses are going somewhere else a new adventure daytime hours quitting completely so yeah exactly. yeah it's a good time to upskill and learn some yeah. new things but also it's, sure. it's hard. <laughs> um so what would be your advice for those interested in oncology and you know don't really know whether that's where they want to go or have recently started there and might be feeling a bit overwhelmed
1: um i think if you're not if you're interested in oncology then you know day units are a great place to start because you know their patients are generally ambulatory and you know don't require a huge amount of your care but they're good units and you can often get jobs in oncology day units or medical oncology day units without any oncology experience so um there are free programs or free um education on eviq website which is eviq and it's the new south wales um based cancer website which is where we get all of our protocols for our patients chemo and they run a um an ADA model modules which is uh can't even remember what adac stands for to be honest
0: that's right
1: (laughs) anti-neoplastic drug administration course maybe yeah sounds good yeah um and there's like eight modules on there that will give you the real basics uh it'll be quite in depth but it gives you the like basically um how to become an oncology nurse like i wouldn't dedicate any time to it if it's not what you want but Mm. um Yeah, they have heaps of, they actually have really great CVAD uh, learning modules on there too if you're wanting to do some CVAD stuff. Their modules are like bang on and they are the most current um, gold standard skills because they've just updated them this year and Mm. um, yeah, it's amazing. They're really good. But I think... Uh, don't be scared. Like, don't be scared of the patients. Don't be scared of their diagnoses. Their, you know, that you, you might think it's emotional. Like, it isn't. It's amazing, uh, place to work to be honest. Um, and it's not. It's not. We don't cry. We barely cry. We we laugh all the time. Um, and if you started working in oncology, I always say just talk to the patients. Like, never be afraid to ask them about their cancer, about their symptoms, how their family are coping. They'll tell you when they don't want to talk. Um, mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, by talking to them, I remember being so scared to ask a, a patient about what was, like what cancer they had when I first started. And, it, you know, we ended up having such a funny conversation about how everyone just assumed she had breast cancer because she was a young mum, but really she had bowel cancer and how one person in the supermarket, had, she'd lost all their hair and um, one person
0: in the supermarket. Oops, I think I lost you.
1: It's like, sorry. Oh my parents lifted her jumper up and said, but this is what gives me the problem. And she's like had her stoma on there. And she was like, oh. oh, she was so offended that I did that. And she's like, but, you know, the assumption was made because she was a young woman. It was breast cancer. And she's like, you know, no one wants to mm. talk about my poo. No one's putting poo on cupcakes, but everyone will wear their bra on the outside. And like, yeah, I think if you just can have conversations with people, then you'll build these rapports and you you won't be as scared about it. Like I'm not scared of cancer or talking about cancer with my patients. Yeah. Um. And and it, you will get the best IV cannulation skills ever. Like I reckon I could cannulate with my eyes shut. Like, oh. <laughs> just, people are like do you need a light?" I'm like it's fine I don't need a light. like I can feel that vein like you don't need yeah. to see a vein but you know you learn to cannulate the most trickiest of patients and um and you know you really only want to have one go especially if they're having like treatment every week or something but mm. yeah I think there's a lot it's a fun environment it can be a fun environment and um and yeah I think it's so different to other nursing that it's a whole new world. Um, and it's it's exciting. The innovations in the cancer world and the drugs that are coming out are mind blowing. Like yeah, yeah. I love. I mean, obviously, I love it. But yeah,
0: <laughs> it's such a yeah. It's very interesting, unique area, and I find that you know lots of um. There's obviously so many different types of cancers, and you know treatment is not always like the same for every cancer. No. You know, they might not all have chemo. Maybe they'll have like a surgical approach or, you know, maybe they'll have radiation or why do they have both or just the one. So it's yeah. very interesting. And like I get a lot of patients that have um cancer and that's why they're coming in for like surgical um, procedure to, you know, get rid of it or, you know, getting a creation of something else because, you know, whatever previous surgery they had, they're now missing their bladder or whatever it is. And, yeah, yeah it's not it's not always the most um, depressing, you know, area. No, I think. No. Like I haven't worked on like a specifically oncology and or hematology ward, but like, I look after patients with like, you know, breast cancer. Um, we get a lot of mastectomies and things like yeah. that on my ward too. And, yeah. You, I, you don't really think of them as like, you know, you've got to tread extra carefully or everything. You just, you know, treat them like a normal person and, you know, yeah. talk about, you know, what you would with any other patient and you'll see if they want to talk about anything more or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. But um, I suppose, what would you think is like, I feel like we're kind of going around in circles, but yeah. do you think <laughs> um, what's the most um, rewarding and challenging part of your job? um i had it was funny like two people one person it was like word for word but one of them said um rewarding and the other person said challenging but it was like exact (laughs) word for word like what is the most rewarding (laughs) part of this and i was like oh my god is this the same person or what you know um it was just funny because it was like the two opposites yeah
1: (laughs) i um i'll start with rewarding but i find seeing people who struggle through their treatments and then they wait for their scans and then, you know, they get good results and then they get so excited to tell you about it. Like I love watching people um, reach whatever milestones they're wanting to get to, like whether that means, you know, they, they've reached remission or they've been cured or they've just made whoever's birthday or the Christmas or, you know, mm. like, you know, I just... I like seeing them go through, like this is really lame, but going through the whole journey and I love being mm-hmm. part of that. Like to think that we play a really big role in it um, is, is really rewarding to me. But the challenging part of it is um, COVID's really amped this up a lot, to be honest. It, it's taken a real emotional toll uh, on me these last couple of years because we haven't been able to let them have people come in with them to have their treatment. Mm. So, you know, normally we would always allow people to have a support person with them. Um, but because of COVID and our restrictions on numbers in the unit, we haven't been allowed to do that. So we have to be the patients, you know, support person, as well as the nurse. Um, I've also we also had to do almost all of the medical oncology clinics in the last two years via telehealth. Um, so I've had to sit in on those meetings via video calls with the doctors and I've had to be their interpreter and I've had to be the person that's sitting with them while they're getting, you know, really hard conversations, had. Um and it's, whilst I've learnt so much from it, because normally I'm not privy to those conversations with the oncologist, um, you know, it's been really hard. Sometimes it's really hard to be, to be the only people available to them um, mm-hmm. because their family don't see what happens in the unit or the conversations that we have. And so that's been super challenging for me. It is getting better and we're slowly letting people back in the unit, but, you know, like if, if a patient you know and I'm I'm the one that's there the most so that everyone will call and want me yeah I'll <laughs> be like is Kelly there and I, the other nurse will be like oh she's busy but I can help you and they're like no can Kelly call me back like <laughs> yeah um and so you know I, I've got if you rattled anyone on my list currently I could literally tell you everything about them what they've had what they're having what there's you know is happening and and that's a lot and it's it's been, COVID's really amped that up. Um And, you know, and, and when your, your personal life is affected by COVID too. So, you know, home and work just became this extra hard place. But to be honest, we're coming out of it. And I feel-
0: Oh, like I hope so.
1: To release. Oh, I think COVID, I mean, it's everywhere. It's crazy at the moment, but mm-hmm. I feel like the the hospitals are starting to relax a little bit and like our hematol our oncologists are back in person now and yeah yeah the the weight is lifting off us slowly. But yeah, it's been I mean, every job has its rewards and its challenges. And mine really do balance themselves out. So I don't feel overwhelmed by by either side really.
0: It's great. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um and I think yeah, the whole of COVID, it's it's made it so hard for um yeah patients when they can't have family come in and I feel yep. like it's also been hard because I haven't really had family coming in for patients and then they come in you know because restrictions are easy and now they're bombarding me with all these questions and oh, I feel like
1: I you've not had a yeah
0: you've been because you started your program in the last year Jan so yeah. like I kind of had some family <laughs> and oh like some of them are like like really intense like really intense yep. and it's like they're trying to trick me and I always <laughs> just remember, I just say to them, I don't know that answer, but I'm going to find someone that no. does." Yeah. you know, and I'm always like, can I get my in charge? And they're like, you just throw me onto the bus. I'm like, no, well, like no one else knows the answer but you. you oh, know? that's um, so funny. Yeah, yeah,
1: visitors, no visitors is like it's amazing for the wards. But, oh, yeah, So you, much more you, streamlined. Oh, oh, wait till they come up, coming back. Wait till they come back and ask for, an older nurse
0: because you're too young. Oh, I know. Oh, Thank that's goodness the worst. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I true. I feel yeah. like before, um, when I was on placement, like when I find it so bizarre, like you know, during 2020, um, we didn't wear masks at the start. Like I did my placement in like April, and there was no yeah. masks. Like so bizarre. But anyway, like this nurse was, I mean, this patient was full, like. How old are you? Are you like fifteen? And I was like, <laughs> no, like I'm in mean, my third year, Like clearly not. Um, but I feel, yeah, I've been lucky. I haven't had any bad experiences. Like no one has ever made me feel like, yeah, I'm really dumb good. or because I look young. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. So I think it's definitely the mask. But then, you know, a patient will ask me like, oh, like. I felt always really scared when I had just started and I, they'd be like, Oh, so how long have you been nursing for? And I'd be like, Um, three months <laughs> and yeah. you know, and you'd be so scared that they think like, Oh no, like my life is in the hands of like yeah. someone that's just been nursing <laughs> for three months. But um yeah, I feel like it's just you know, just remember if you don't know something, just go find someone else. But Not yeah, long. some family can be a lot they can be yeah especially (laughs) when they're like even when we didn't have visitors when they'd call up and you know at like you know 9am during medication round I'm like I'm busy here like sometimes like someone called so early once and I was like I haven't even seen them yet Yeah, you know like I've (laughs) just got a handover I know their name and that's it yeah (laughs) Yeah. I know so um, I guess there's two sides and then you have to remember like what, how would you feel if you know it's your family member in hospital Absolutely. like you want all the answers yeah. but it's always true yeah. perspectives because then for you it's like I need a bit of a break yeah <laughs> definitely. Yeah. yeah um so obviously on the oncology unit that you work on you don't necessarily like obviously I'm making a generalized assumption that you don't necessarily have patients passing away on your ward but you'd probably no. come across patients that you know, have passed that you had cared for. And how, like, how do you cope with um, this? And I suppose mm-hmm. end of life care um, for, you know, those that don't really have much to do with um, patient deaths?
1: Yeah. So the, obviously the downside of oncology is that, you know, a lot of patients don't survive. Um, and in our unit, like, and we're in a small community too. So, we obviously see some patients weekly, um, you know, for years in, in some cases. So you do form attachments to them. So when, um, you know, when they're coming towards the end of, of treatment options and you know that like the next step is basically that they're going to pass away, I feel like I have watched them go through all the hard work and do all the treatments and do everything they could possibly do to beat cancer. Mm. Um, and so when they get to this next phase, I feel very strongly that we should support them in having, you know, a really beautiful uh, and peaceful death. So whether that means involving um, community palliative care super early, um, which we do a lot, we have a really close relationship with the community um, palliative care team. Um, and and giving them the support that they need to, you know, a lot of people with cancer are quite accepting of death. Mm. Um, A lot of them know what's coming and a lot of them like to have a bit of control over it in the sense that, you know, they want to decide when they're going to go to hospital for palliative care or if they're going to do it at home. We do a lot of advanced um, care planning as well. Like, So we encourage almost all of our patients to have an advanced care plan so that their final wishes are documented for the Mm -hmm. family to know. Um, if they do go to the ward for palliative care, I tend to go down once they're admitted and like say a goodbye to them because the ward isn't my, the palliative care on the ward's not, not my place. So I go down and, you know, say hello to them and I, you know, talk to the family and I basically will say my goodbye to them and, um, and then I don't tend to go back um, mm. because I need to disconnect from that. So sometimes it's very hard. And I had one patient that I saw um, over about a four-year period who just was the most beautiful lady and she had so much trust in me and I, when I went down to the ward, she, um, you know, her family left the room so I could have a moment with her and I just remember holding her hand and saying to her that I was so honored to be her nurse and that I just was so thankful because she helped me a lot in my oncology path like and and Mm -hmm. with things and that I just yeah I was just so grateful to be her nurse and and that I hope she knew how special she would be to me and that I would always remember her and I she was not very conscious so I'm not sure if she heard me or not but you know, I just had that little moment with her, and then I um, spoke to the family and and just said to them that you know that I'm here, and if they need anything, to let me know. And and then you have to walk away because they aren't your family and they aren't your friends. Um, no. So it's not your place. You can you can cry with them. Like I think having a tear uh, with them is is perfectly normal. We're human after all. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I don't. I wouldn't stand in the room and ball my eyes out with them. I would, you know, do that privately i guess but i you know like i'm not going to go in every day it's not my it's not my place to do that i just yeah go and say goodbye and then you know the palliative care on the warden and the palliative care team they do an amazing job that's what they're specializing in so you know and then i just think that you shouldn't be scared of death like we shouldn't be scared of talking about it we should it's not a taboo subject everyone's going to die at some point and cancer patients are very aware of that um, you know who you can have conversations with and how much you can have conversations with them about it. Um, and so you just base it off what they need. I'm very honest. I'm brutally honest with my patients. Um, I don't sugarcoat anything, but I'm quite gentle with how I deliver it. I just think they know they deserve to know the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like most people leave or live amazing lives. And I just think everyone deserves to have, we give women, you know, we put a lot of uh, emphasis on women having amazing births, right. To deliver life into this world. People, you know, have, they want, we put a lot of emphasis on making yeah. sure that people have a birth plan and that people follow what they want and that interventions are at, at what the mother needs and the mother wants. So why don't we do that for death? Mm. Like, why don't we allow people to have a uh, like a, a plan for their death and follow what they want and provide them with you know it's hard sometimes because death isn't always a great experience um and you, there's sometimes you can't give that to them but i'm I, i'm not into I, i'm not i like lo- i really feel passionate about people dying with dignity but i'm not i don't like palliative care <laughs> like mm-hmm. palliative care for me is not 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 something I enjoy doing which is why I do the oncology side of things I guess but yeah I think death is we're scared of it as nurses um we don't really like it if our patient dies it can be quite upsetting um sometimes and especially in our little rural country town we do go to the funerals um I've probably been to three
0: funerals
1: Mm -hmm. um once because the family asked and um well twice because the family actually asked us and another time Um, I just felt like I needed a little bit of closure. So I just went and stood up the back and they don't go to the wake or anything. I just go to the, you know, the, um, just the funeral uh, funeral part of it. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it is part of it. Um, and some people are happy to deal with that part of it and some people aren't. So
0: yeah. Yeah. And I think I I I completely see the same um have the same views on death because I had someone recently message me and be like, you know, how do you deal with it? And I like I've actually never had a patient um die on my shift, um, mm. like ever. Like placements, like I've looked after like a palliative patient before, but um you know, they didn't pass away. And so I don't really, I, I've never gone through the, the emotions of, you know, um, you know preparing a body and things like that. But I think, you know, or you've, like I've gone home and then, you know, someone will tell me, oh, that patient that we looked after for, you know, two months has passed away. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, you do. I think for me, just like you, I remember and hope that that person lived a good life, firstly. And secondly, I hope... um you know, that their wishes were followed through and, you know, that their family were able to say goodbye. And thirdly, I think, yeah, we have to remember that the, so sad to to think about it, but the only thing we Mm. know in life for sure is that we're going to die. I
1: know.
0: You know, like that's the only thing that we know for sure. Like I don't know anything else.
1: And if you think about it, when you get a cancer diagnosis, the first thing you think when you hear cancer is death. I know. (laughs) Like I... And and I don't know the statistics about how many patients with cancer like actually die from it. Mm. Um, you know, I've had I've probably had more patients die from it than I have recover from it. But that's because they were too far along when they were diagnosed or whatever. But mm. um, yeah, I think that I I think death is like something that overhangs patients. Even if people recover from cancer, the fear of cancer coming back. Or yeah fear, you know like it's so
0: real yeah
1: yeah that it's a life-changing diagnosis of you know like if you get an infection it'll clear up the chance of it coming back it's not very high you know like but with cancer it's such a life-changing diagnosis like people will say you know survivorship phase of cancer is I mean, that's a whole other topic that I could talk about but people will talk about their life um, and I know you've had experience with it, so I'm sure it's the same. You can probably relate, but like pre-cancer and post-cancer, mm. like even when you've recovered and you are getting on with it, life after cancer is not the same. And, it, no. and it, I don't haven't got, had a patient that's ever felt that their life, they've just got on and life is fine again. So, you know, I think you, if you are working in oncology, you really do need to be able to have, difficult conversations and you need to be able to have them without your emotion attached to it Mm. so you can be emotional but you shouldn't be sitting there talking about that patient's prognosis while you're crying like you got to hold some things back in it's important to do that but it doesn't mean that afterwards you can't debrief with your workmates and be like oh my god this is so shit and you know have a tear
0: or something yeah definitely I feel like as you say, we're human, so we're allowed to feel emotion. But at the end of the day, it's you know that patient and their family, like they're the ones that you know really know the person, you know, like that's yeah their loved ones, you know, that's and that's right. Not, yeah, it's not our time to shine and cry, you know. It's yeah, you know, we. I feel like that's definitely something that you know you do in private and you know debrief yeah. with you know other nurses. But yeah, I feel like it's it's difficult.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. And to sum it all up, what strategies do you um, have to manage all this, I suppose, difficult conversations and working in like a sensitive area? I know you're a very positive person and obviously bring a lot of fun to um, your team, <laughs> but how, like when it is a hard day, like how do you switch off?
1: Um,
0: I've le- had to learn this
1: over the years because I do take a lot of things um, home with me. So I make a really concerted effort at the end of each day to leave work at work. So I have a ritual where I get in my car and I take off my name badge and I put it in the console. And when I put it in the console, and it's funny because I take a mint, like I get a mint. <laughs> so weird. I put my <laughs> my badge in the console and I get a mint and I feel like it just clears, uh, clears everything out. So I, I make an effort that when my badge is off, I'm not in work mode like it doesn't always work but you know it I do my best and I consume a lot of really trashy TV like reality TV yeah Uh, a lot I need to switch my brain off and it drives my husband bonkers but like I watch all the housewives (laughs) I just binge watched Selling Sunsets the other weekend I watch like so much trashy TV um because you don't even think like it's just dumb people doing dumb stuff and i you know i it's know great. yeah and um i listen to a lot of podcasts so like I, I listen to podcasts all the time like when i'm cooking or or doing things and i listen to a really wide variety of of podcasts to just help me decompress um and i put a lot of time into making sure i do self-care activities um whether it be i do regular meditations and like coffee dates with my mates um, and family stuff because like I think it's important to work on yourself like especially when you work in areas that are emotionally heavy you need to be able to let it go Um, Mm. and I wasn't always very good at that so you know like last year I did have burnout um, quite badly Um, and yeah it really affected me quite deeply and I and I've made a decision that I would never let myself get to that point ever again and um yeah and I think it's important for all nurses I mean nursing in any capacity is um takes a toll on your mental health like it's it's a hard job um it's made been made even harder in the last couple of years with COVID and you know and like I, I feel like we are underappreciated um, and we are underpaid and at the moment we're very overworked and mm-hmm. the expectation on us to do more or to fill in for shifts because the hospital short stuff, because everyone's off with COVID or just generally sick because, you know, we're all tired and run down. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as nurses, we don't like to let our patients suffer. And so if you know there's not enough staff on, not only other nurses, that are on going to be overworked ratio or overworked it, that affects the patients. And I think we're, we just, we want to do as much as we can for those around us. And it, and it does take a toll. And I think, you know, if we can say no to things, to shifts, to extra shifts, to double shifts, to working on your day off, because you, you know, shift work's pretty shitty anyway. So yeah. Yeah, I think it's really important, and I don't think it's talked about enough. I think if our mad- if management in hospitals actually supported their staff um, in these areas, rather than just say use the you know EAP or make sure you take some time off. Right? <laughs> You're not giving me time off. <laughs> yeah, how can I do that when I get a text message every ten minutes telling me we're short oh, staffed? Like no, yeah. yeah, yeah. I just I think if if hospitals truly I get that there's a nursing shortage at the moment. I get that COVID's made life difficult, but yeah, I think hospitals need to take um, more responsibility for the mental health and wellbeing of their their staff. And mm. you know, a free coffee on Nurses Day doesn't really cut it.
0: What um, about a free potato cake? Did you see that? Oh, I, I
1: did <laughs> see that. <laughs> that did make me laugh. Oh. I know. But Victorians are all into their potato cakes. It's not very big in WA, but, yeah. I mean, I'll take a potato cake and a coffee, sure.
0: I know. (laughs) Yeah, I feel, yeah, there's just a lot of room for change. And I think, Yeah. at the moment, like, I feel like there's so much negative um, views in the media that to be honest, I don't think many people would want to enroll. Like maybe if when I started nursing, like maybe would I really have done it if I see all these nurses are overworked, they get, you know, average pay for what they do, constantly asked to do overtime, yeah. backs get sore, blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know, because the media is very hounding on the negatives. Like there are plenty of positives in our job and it's yeah. an absolutely amazing career, but, like it's not – they're not making it very appealing to up-and-coming nurses. So no. they really do need a, either up the pay, give us free parking, um, yes. give us some – like something to want to come to work. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but for me, free parking would be one. Um, yeah. You know, $18 for a casual rate really does not do it for me.
1: Just come uh... – come to the country people Free parking mm. out here we get scones every day for morning tea
0: oh beautiful <laughs> like,
1: yeah I think um yeah I agree I people they can do, I mean you can do better and it's um probably not going to happen for a while but I think I feel um, very reassured that the pet nurses that are coming through you know are so I mean Instagram, like obviously I, there's lots of um, student nurses and stuff and they seem so uh, excited to be nurses, even though we're like third year into a pandemic. Like I yeah. honestly, I just feel so reassured that there are nurses like you and Nurse Sibs and, you know, like all these younger generation coming through to take over from us as we age <laughs> rapidly. Oh, um, you're so young, hey? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm like literally old enough to be your mum <laughs> uh, no you're my sister <laughs> well, that's but yeah I just I, I feel so reassured that that um despite everything there's you know people that love nursing who are just going to come in and and make a huge change with um, with your presence on social media I think um, making nursing into more than just bedpans and, or as my daughter wrote today for um, a nurse, like International Nurses Day, she wrote a note that said "coffee scrubs and rubber gloves."
0: Oh, lovely! And that. I thought it oh, just bloody sums <laughs> the whole thing up, really. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Yeah, I think. Um, I think yeah. The, as you said, the positive thing is like all the nurses that are coming, they know what's ahead of them, and they obviously really love it. You know, they're not they're not going to be bad nurses. They're going to be amazing nurses.
1: Yeah. So it's, so it's so nice it's so exciting
0: so it's a nice way to finish up the episode and thank everyone for a very happy international nurses day And room but you're all amazing and you know you don't have to be celebrated just one day um you know it should be every day we get spoiled as nurses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you so much kelly for coming on and chatting to me all about oncology I've had a great chat. This has been so fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I always find um after like I record, it's always like it's like a debrief. Because I feel like yeah. you know, it's like a chat. I've let out, <laughs> you know, anything that I have feelings about. And yeah, it's always um you know, always learn something new. And I feel like this chat I feel like was really good talking about death especially and you know, hopefully everyone that listens can kinda get a new perspective on it if you are feeling a bit um nervous or you know just it is a you know a subject that's quite touchy and people don't often talk about it so hopefully um we offered something new for you to think about amazing it was great thank you so much no worries thank you have a lovely night and enjoy your friday on a thursday yeah i will (laughs) bye bye